All right. I can't even believe I'm up here. <laughs> Let's pray, and we just we're just going to go for it. We're just going to go right in the deep end, all right? We're just going to. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word that's going to come forward. We thank you for softened hearts, ears to hear, spirits to receive. Here I am, Lord. You may use me as your instrument, your mouthpiece. Have your way, have your way, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Oof. Some things, I tell you. All right, so I'm just going to go with it. First of all, I promised one of my kids that I was going to say their name on the pulpit. The problem is then you know who's my favorite, so I'm going to say all five. <laughs> Julia, Jacob, Naomi, Mateo, Lucas. It's out there, all right? Don't look at me like that, Baruch. All right, I have two disclaimers, maybe three. I am not 100% sure how this will flow. The way I received it is the way I wrote it. Um, I went back over it last night. I timed it, and I did what I was supposed to do, and I didn't feel like I needed to take things out or move things around. Um, so I'm just going to go with it. For some, this is my next disclaimer. This will be a reminder or a refresher. I want to stoke your embers. For some, this would be a reteaching or a remediation. I want to relight that fire. And for others, this will be a revelation. And we are going to light that fire again. Um, and God is going to meet you where you're at. Amen. I'm just going to throw it out there, and God's going to meet you where you're at. And there's this song that really, like, I think it's like the theme of my, of my spiritual walk with God. And it goes, and it, we sang it way differently. I tried to look for it on YouTube, and when I, I heard the version, I was like, uh, the lyrics are right. That is wrong. <laughs> But the song goes, the zeal of God has consumed me. It goes within my soul, a mighty force that cannot be stopped, a fire that will not be quenched. And it has that, I mean, my mom was in a tambourine team, and it was like, so I had that. The zeal of God has consumed me. It burns within my soul, a mighty force that cannot be stopped, a fire that cannot be quenched. Oh, hallelujah. And that is the beat of my spiritual walk. <laughs> and it's just like, I always got to like bring it down. <laughs> um, our stories, our victories are not for ourselves, but they are for the salvation and the comfort for others. It is not for you to hoard and keep secret. It is for you to scream from the mountaintops. We are to be the light on the hill. Our relationship with Christ begins with a personal one-on-one, -on -one, and I know there's somebody out there saying, when is she ever going to get to the anchoring scripture? We will get to the scripture, I promise. If you just hang with me, I just like to do things a little different. Um, our relationship with Christ begins with a personal one-on-one, -on -one, but really the intention is for us to be part of a body, working with each other, overcoming together, witnessing the victories, sharing each other's sufferings. We were not meant to go through life alone or even have our own relationship with Christ without our brothers and sisters. And while much of this is talking at an individual level, much of what the sermon is going to be is talking a lot about our, um, our walk and how to really dissect our hearts. Um, the ultimate goal is for your individual stories to bless and encourage the body, to bless and encourage the community. And now I got that off my chest. Let the Holy Spirit have his way. Amen? All right, here we go. I wanted to recap the last few weeks of Lent, and this is the way I remember it. Week one, Pastor Bree was talking, helped us to stop, to say la, to sigh, 
The silence is allowing God to give us rest and refreshment and to reset us. She had a guided prayer. If you wanted that, we can get that to you by email. Week two, Pastor Hank challenged us. Are we relying on God? What does that look like as an individual? Are we relying on God as a community? What does it look like for you? And my question to you is, have you made adjustments to reflect this, self, this attitude shift from self-sufficiency to relying on God? And if you have, have you made the shift from thinking it's about me to it's about we? Okay? In week three, we focused on reconciliation and forgiveness, dropping our offerings right where they are, making sure that we are right with one another. Are you praying about that conversation, that healing to happen or continue to happen? Are you praying about your role in bringing reconciliation and peace to the situation? That's my question to you. Last week, Pastor Linda reminded us what repentance means and how repentance brings about regeneration so that even others can see the difference. Have you seen a difference in yourself? Can you see the transformation the Holy Spirit has started and has promised to complete? Is there someone in mind that you have seen a difference in? And maybe it's a good time to tell them, hey, I've seen that growth in you. And it was also last week when I realized that I am preaching or bringing the sermon as part of a series. And Pastor Hank did tell me, he even suggested a topic and he said it would be during Lent and I heard it all. He said, you'll be, he said, it's part of a series, and here's what I'm thinking. And all that I registered was living in the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and that is right up my alley. Everything was like, wah, 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 wah. Living in the power of the Holy Spirit, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and maybe that's not what he said, and maybe that's not what he meant. But our ears do these things sometimes, and we hear what we want to hear. So with that, I want to say we recognize, observe, and maybe even celebrate, if that's the right word, Lent, as the 40 days of following Christ to the cross. Remembering the sacrifice he made for us, and actually it was the Holy Spirit, if you're trying to figure out how to tie it all in, I was trying to figure it out. It was actually how the Holy Spirit, um, it was the Holy Spirit that drove Christ into the wilderness. That's what began it all, the Holy Spirit driving him into the wilderness. Here's a sidebar for you. What is the Holy Spirit driving you to do? or maybe not to do, don't know. I believe the Holy Spirit driving him into the wilderness was why he was able to say, your will be done at the end when we were getting to the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew that after the cross, during the pain, even after death, even after the resurrection, the greater reward, and the greater reward wasn't the resurrection for him. The greater reward is that we can have relationship with God the Father through Christ. All right? So this brings us to today, living in the power of the Holy Spirit, which can only happen after he died and resurrected. We can all receive the Holy Spirit because of this. So here is where we get to the scripture, people. John 14, I want you to launch your Bible app. I want you to take out your Bibles. I want you to get your paper, your paper and pen. And for those who, doesn't, who don't have any of that, we got it on the screen for you. Tell me amen when you get there. John 14, 10 through 12. All right. I'm going to say amen because we're there. <laughs> so Jesus is speaking. Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? 
The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I say to you that whoever believes in me will do these works that I am doing, and they will do even greater than these because I am with the Father. So I read that with some attitude. <laughs> and I'm sure when Christ was speaking, he didn't have any attitude. But I want to give you a little bit of context of what was happening here. That response was to Philip's question or Philip's statement. And I'm going to set the mood. Ready? It's the Last Supper. Christ is comforting his disciples. He had just washed their feet. He uh, gave that last commandment of serving one another. Uh, sent Judas to fulfill the scripture by betraying him. Predicted Peter's denial. And now he is preparing for them for what comes next. And he's kind of telling them, you know, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Um, not only... Um, am I going to prepare a place? But I am the only way to get there, so you need to follow me. The way to get to the Father is through me. And Philip says, show me the Father and it will be enough. And Christ says, are you kidding me? <laughs> All right, he didn't say that. But I mean, that would be my response. If you think about it, Philip has, is not a newbie. He has been with Jesus just as long as Peter. He was there from literally chapter 1 in John. He was like right there. Come on, follow me, and he went. He even recruited other people, Nathaniel or Nathan. He even recruited other people to follow Christ. So for him, for me, in my mind, for him to ask or to say, would you be enough? I'm like, oh, what? Anyway, this is my other sidebar. This is why I pray this, that we will become aware of God's presence because he's there with us every step of the way, and sometimes we don't even recognize him. Anyway, that's not my sermon today. So right after this exchange, the Lord promises the Holy Spirit, a helper, a comforter, an advocate, one that will help us and will teach us all things and remind us of everything he said. And the passage is not really talking about us. He's talking to the disciples. I threw us in there, okay, which reminded me of Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is when you want to get your paper and pen out. And you're probably asking, how does one and the other go together? But this is my belief. My belief, if he's saying, you're going to do greater works than these, I'm going to give you what it takes to get there. I'm going to give you the tool. I'm going to give you the preparation. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to inspire you. I'm going to empower you. I am going to give it to you to do these greater things, and that it is the Holy Spirit. So when we become followers of Christ and we believe in Jesus Christ, we receive automatically the Holy Spirit comes in inside of us. What you do with it is on you. I don't know if you remember my last um, time I preached that we talked about a driver's license, to consider it like a driver's license, what kind of car you drive is on you. I want to say that the insurance behind that, your salvation and your walk with Christ is on you. But when you get into a situation, when you get into an accident, when somebody bumps or squeezes your car or something like that, it's the Holy Spirit that backs you up. It's the Holy Spirit that got you and protects you and holds you and keeps you so when the time comes, you got some insurance. All right, here we go. So better works than these. All right, so some of us may not know these works that he has done. So how can we do greater works than these if we don't know the works, okay? So I'm just gonna pick out my favorite miracles of Jesus. You, your homework, your devotionals this week is to go in and read the miracles of Jesus and pick your favorite. You're allowed to have a favorite scripture. You may not have favorite children, but you can have a favorite scripture, all right? I don't know, do you have favorite parents? I have a favorite parent, but don't tell my mom. 
She'll get me. All right, so I want you to pump your faith with the, G with the miracles of Jesus. And here we go. So these are my favorite, and I'll give you my why. Jesus cleanses a man with leprosy. And in this, for me, the leprosy is contagious, right? And it goes, anybody that touches it becomes unclean, and they have to go away. In this situation, Christ did not become unclean. Christ's healing was contagious. It was the opposite. And now this guy was able to be around the community and be able to be put into, um, have supports and have family and have the hugs and everything that he missed. So this is why I love this so much, because Christ's healing was contagious and Christ made him clean. Jesus heals the man who was dropped from the roof. We all need friends like this, and I want to know who am I surrounding myself with? Will they get me to Jesus in my time of need? Are they willing to move roof tiles or whatever they have roofs before? Are they willing to move roofs so I can get my healing? I need people to fight for me and with me. Amen? Amen. Or you or us? Amen. Okay. The woman with the issue of blood. She touched the hem of his garment. The hem of the garment had nothing to do with it, except that her faith activated that healing. Everybody was pushing and pulling on him. Everybody. They said it was a crowded atmosphere. If you've ever been to the Puerto Rican Day Parade, ridiculous. That's what I imagine, right? So they're pushing and they're pulling, and he felt the power leave him. And it was this woman with the issue of blood. And all I could imagine is her stoop so low, probably in pain. I don't know if you ever had cramps like this. I've had cramps like this, and I'm like, oh. Okay? Her last-ditch effort, I'm sure she saw every kind of medical doctor in all the years that she had. Her breaking point, listen, if I could just, if I could just get there, I've tried everything else. If I can only get close enough, no hay otro remedio. There is no other remedy. I've tried it all. I need God to intervene. I have been there. And I want you to know, do not be afraid to ask for your breakthrough. Do not be afraid to reach out and go a little bit further. Do not be afraid to get into elbows so that you can get what you need from God. He is available to do it for you. Your faith activates it. Everybody else could have got healed. Their faith wasn't doing it. Her faith did it. All right. Jesus feeds the women, the children, plus 5,000 men. I had to put it like that because it drives me nuts when it says Jesus feeds 5,000 men plus the women and children. No. He fed the women and children plus 5,000 men. <laughs> and I'm just saying there must have been a lot of food because there were leftovers, right? So he's always welcome to all my parties. I could just imagine it. You got all these people sitting down and you're passing out loaves. And you're looking like, I don't even eat fish. <laughs> anyway. So there's so much more. There's so much more in there. If you go in there and you just pull out the nuggets that apply to you, if you go in and read the, the miracles, I'm telling you, today they might not even be anything to you, right? You're just reading them as, a, as an account of a history of something that happened. Walking down the road, God is going to remind you of something. The Holy Spirit is going to prompt and you'll be like, oh, my gosh, I remember. This makes sense. I can see the connection. So I want you to pump. If you're not sure where to start in reading the Bible, normally I would say John. But this time, I'm going to go ahead and say, go learn the God you serve. Learn the Jesus. All right? All right. So even in the end of John, it says if they were to list all his, I think there's like 37 listed accounts. And in between, it says, and many more were added to them, or many more were healed that day, and all were healed that day, right? If they were to list them one by one, it says that it would not even be able to be contained in this book. And that's just for them. If we went around here and talked about how God has healed each and every one of us line by line, what a mighty book we will fill. 
All right, so then, so that's Jesus' time. And we're like, all right, that was Christ. Of course, he's going to have that kind of power. I mean, he's God, right? So now we're going to go into Acts. It's only a couple. So the beautiful man, um, now walking, which is not the title. The title is the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. Like, he's no longer lame. Can we? He was healed. Anyway, so it's the beautiful man now walking. Of course, I changed the title. The captives were set free, literally. The apostles, right after the Ananias and Sapphira situation, I won't get into that. If you want tea and you want drama, read that story. Ridiculous. Um, Philip was transported from the desert, to, as it is, to explain the passage in, I can't even pronounce that word, A-Z-O-T-U-S. That was the, the town. After explaining the passage in Isaiah to the Ethiopian church. There were a couple more that I wanted to say, but I deleted those because I couldn't say those towns either, so you got to figure it out which it is, all right? So let me sum this up. Peter had crowds laying down the sick just in case his shadow might touch them because how powerfully the Holy Spirit was working through him. Philip had crowds paying close attention, and many were healed and set free, it says. The town, the city in, that, in Samaria was filled with joy just because of how they saw the Holy Spirit moving. Could you imagine? Because you were healed, I'm filled with joy. And I can tell you, and now you get your healing, and you're filled with joy. And it just goes, that trickle effect like a wildfire, just going out there and explaining, it's Jesus. It's the power of that. I went to go see these guys, and these guys are saying that it was the resurrected Christ. And people are like, say, what? So just imagine. And I'm sure you guys are like, oh, I forgot about Paul. Now, Paul, I'm just going to say this. I'm sure everybody has heard Paul's story. Can you imagine God getting your attention like that and then turning your life around? Talk about a 180-degree turn. Like, that's really repentance. Anyway. All right, so how can we gain access to this power? How do we share in these experiences? And um, we hear a lot, especially during Lent, about sharing in Christ's sufferings, um, and that if we want to experience life as designed it, we would pick up our cross and follow him. And that's all true. I'm not saying it's not. And um, especially during Lent, we want to observe the sacrifice. And he knew, we talked about he knew, and at the end of the road, um, the pain, the suffering, the embarrassment. Could you imagine all your clothes taken off and you put up there, the embarrassment of your hope, just being that vulnerable? And this is the big, mighty, powerful God we serve. And what I believe is that God wants to blow our minds. Could you imagine Jesus inviting you to walk on water? He invited Peter, and he wanted Peter to experience it. Or he tells you to toss your net so you can catch the fish, so that you can see that he is the God that is overflowing more than enough. So that way, I looked at this as an outreach. If I have so many, I can share. You know, I have so many fish that I can share it, I can give it out, I can partner up, I can collaborate, I can do this because there's enough souls, there's enough happening in the streets of Harrisburg that I don't have to hoard everything to me. Don't hoard your stuff. God wants you to share it. How are we transformed and used by the Holy Spirit to reflect and be ambassadors for Christ? Um, I believe that God wants us to experience his power and his goodness. And here are some reflection questions. This is where you should have your paper and pen out. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. In what ways have you, has the Lord been good to you? Have you experienced his goodness? Bring your worries to me, for I care for you. The promise here is to give you peace. What are you carrying alone? What burden or what concern are you willing to have Christ's shoulder for you? He came to set the captive free, to experience freedom and healing. How are you experiencing freedom? How are you being healed? Where can you experience Christ's freedom? Where can the Holy Spirit come and heal you?
The Bible says he came to give life and life more abundantly. He also said that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. And one day I will speak about the devil who is looking around to see who can he devour, looking to steal, kill, and destroy what God has for you. One day I will speak about the power of Christ that stops the devil in his tracks. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm like, I bet you, I bet, come and try it. <laughs> one day I will tell you about the blood that hasn't lost its power, the power that has defeated the enemy once and for all. The power of sin over our lives has been conquered, and we only have to exercise the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to walk in that victory. One day I will tell you how God, had, God has made Christ's enemies his footstools, and that right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, Christ is making intercession for us. He is standing in the gap, ensuring that we are taken care of. That what the Bible says about the, the devil is like a roaring lion. He's on a chain. Our own desires and concessions to him is what allows his attacks to, uh, to affect us. When he left Christ in the wilderness, he was looking to come back at a more opportune time. And this is why in Ephesians it says to keep our full armor on. We need to be on guard spiritually because we wrestle against principalities and powers but we have a name that is above every name. The Bible says that the demons believe in the name of Christ and tremble. <laughs> you see that? <laughs> That's the God we serve, a power that not only frees us from our sins, but a power that breaks the bondage we find ourselves in. And when we finally get the fog clear and there's that breakthrough, we can say glory to God. Amen? All right, so Christ came to, to live, uh, give in life and life more abundantly. So how do you experience his abundance? Where can you see his generosity? And I'm not talking about materialistic things. Are you peaceful in the midst of the storm? Do you have joy as you walk through your day? Are you physically well? Are you mentally well? Are you emotionally healthy? Do you have people in your life that bring you joy or comfort? Do you have a safe place to turn to so that you can be heard? Do you have a job that you enjoy or that pays the bills? Sometimes you gotta give one for the other. <laughs> And those are some, some of the things that are given to us in abundance. That comfort, that peace, that defense, that protection. Those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. There's another verse that says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. How have you been experiencing God's unconditional, unwavering love? And I can imagine some of you are saying, oh my goodness, will she stop? But this is what I want to know. Do you know how to access this power? Do you know how to tap into that, tap, that power? Do you know how to get to access to that Holy Spirit so that you can um, get a hold of all these promises? So first, I don't want to assume that everybody here has a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want to talk Christianese when there may be some who are new to the faith. I'm also considering those who may have forgotten the how or the why of their salvation. Some of us just come because it's habit. And then there's scholars and academics in the room, and I don't want you to zone me out because you have it all up here in the head, and I'm trying to get you to bring it down here in your heart and make this heart connection because what you know and what you know can make a difference in your walk. All right, so the first step is repentance. I know a lot of us have already been there. You submit to the Lord. Allow him to make your confessions into a testimony. And this is an ongoing thing. Repentance is not one and done. I mean... There are things and patterns in my life that I have to be mindful and realize that this does not please God. God, forgive me. Help me to get through this. Help me to be more like you in this area, in that sense. Repentance is an ongoing thing. But the sins that you have committed and given to Christ is a once and done thing. 
if you are truly repenting and you have truly made an about face and you are truly working through it, that sin is gone. It is washed and cleansed under the blood of Jesus. We don't have to replay it in our head. The only time God remembers is when we bring it up. Um, there's a scripture that says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have been set free. We don't have to relive it. The second step is a standing, uh, yeah, understanding that once you become a Christ follower, he has equipped you and filled you with the Holy Spirit to overcome, to be more than a conqueror. You do not have to keep repeating patterns that no longer reflect your new life in Christ. I'm not sure what weighs you down or what trips you up. Being an overcomer or more than a conqueror means that those things that used to beat us down, we cannot have victory in. It won't be easy. I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, all these things are instantaneous. You know, we don't serve a microwave God. Um, and it's really because of the years of us allowing that to rule. It took me almost 50 years to be where I am today. And if I'm surrendering today, it's going to take me a couple to work through who I, who I made myself to be and start to become in my identity now is in Christ. So I have to unwork all that work that I worked up. Okay? All right, but as you get into the word of God, your mind becomes renewed and your thoughts get transformed. As you get the thoughts that no longer bring you life, compare them to what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? Believe that. This is how you bring into submission every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. You have to bring it down, examine it. Mm, that's against the word. Psh, let's get the word to refill it. You have to fill it in with a new thought. That's where it comes, you know, like Bible memorization, because that helps you fill those thoughts that you're not. And like, oh, woe is me, da 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 And God's like, no, not woe is you. You are victorious. You are more than a conqueror. Um, I call you my child. Whatever your scriptures attain to you, I am beautifully and wonderfully made. Whatever scriptures are pertaining to you and how you look at yourself, you want to re-instill those values in you. You want to get those in you, okay? All right. So when you retrain your thoughts, the Bible says to think on these things. So you're trying to retrain your thoughts, right? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if any of this is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things, which is why it's important for us to watch what we're listening to, what we're watching, because those are the kinds of things that kind of stay with us. You know, the lyrics play in your mind over and over. I don't want to say that I don't listen to other kinds of music. I really do listen to other kinds of music, but I know that when it's getting me out of who I am supposed to be in Christ, I'm turning that off and putting worship on. You got to know your boundaries. He has created a new creation in you. Your old or former self is gone. You no longer have to respond how you normally or typically would. It's going to take some practice because of old patterns and habits. Take time to break and to reform. But consistency is key. Be forewarned. Just when you thought you had that old habit under control, something's going to ask to spark it back up, and it's up to you to rely on the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to resuppress it because that doesn't heal it. That doesn't fix anything, all you're doing is just holding it in. No, we want to overcome. We want a different way to react. So I want you to take a moment, pray through that moment. Let the initial emotion pass. And pray that, pray that that situation comes into the Holy Spirit. And I know that sometimes, listen, I'm about to get into my testimony. I know that sometimes you don't have that, that, ooh, I'll be back. That's my response. When I'm in that moment and I'm like, Give me a minute. I need a moment or two. So I want you to say, I want to say that it's going to be times where it's going to be challenging right in the moment. If you have the opportunity to say, oh, can I have a moment, please? You go to that bathroom. Work it out. Come back. All right? 
So the more you read of his word, I'm also going to warn you about this. The more you read of God's word, the more you want of it. I want, to, I want you to create an insatiable desire. I want you to sit there and be like, oh, I got to read my word today. Oh, I got to get in God's presence today. Oh, I really want to commune and be with God today because that's starting that hunger. Sometimes, I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes if I don't eat in the morning, I don't get hungry. And by the time I get to dinner, I'm like, because I started the hunger, right? I can't stop eating the rest of the night. I want you to realize that if we starve ourselves biblically without reading the word, that when we sit down, our spirit man, is, or our spirit person is going to be like, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. I want more, I want more. So just warning you that you're going you're gonna to look up and be like, I've been here hours because God is going to captivate you. All right, so if you need a Bible, we can get one for you. Um, if you want, so if you're beyond this point and you want, to dis you want people to help discuss the Bible and talk and work through the Bible, there are life groups happening right now. So if you want to get plugged in, I would say that we would talk to Pastor Ryan. He will get you plugged in. All right, many of us are here, and we're at the point, right? So we talked about that. Now, now, so you're at the Bible studies. You've repented. You're giving your life. You're living humdrum. Everything's going hunky-dory. Yes. Now what? Do we stay here? No. We want more, more of God, more of you. So my question to you is, are you expecting God to do big things? Are you coming in here with an expectancy, uh, a desire to be like, oh, I want to see that? Especially if you're reading the miracles of Jesus. Oh, let me see your arm pop out. Let me see this. I, I, want, I want some of that. I want some of that. I want to see somebody's sight popped open or ears open. I want some of that. I want to know some of that. So this is where I am. And this is probably my Pentecostal coming out of me, so forgive it. <laughs> the power that is... Um, Oh, I want to tell you this. The Bible says, now to him, now to him, so now to God, who is able to do, this is the part that's important, immeasurably, immeasurably ugh, my lips don't work, more than we can ask or imagine. If you're not asking it, God has it. God wants to do it. You're not asking for it, and you're not imagining it. Think it. Dream it. it I mean, you, we never know. If we're all coming in here, and we got these big expectancies of the Lord, we never know what could happen. Anyway. All right, so that was, um, ask it according to his power that is at work within us. Um, the power that is at work within us. Now, this is where the gifts of the Holy Spirit comes in, okay? We are all gifted to bless the body, the community that we are in. We are gifted to serve our congregation or local community and to be a blessing to those around us. And all this transformative power is not for our safekeeping. Instead, it is for the giving. We need to share it. We need to not hoard it. We need to pass it on and be the light on the hill. I said that in the beginning. I jumped. We need to be living letters that others can easily read. We need to be the difference the world is looking for. In Romans, the Bible says that all creation is waiting for the manifestations of the Son of God, the sons or children of God, okay? They're waiting for us to be like, we're here. We got the answer. I know who can solve that, and he can break that, and he can do that, and he can do that, and surrender here and surrender there because they are waiting for us to say, how do I get out of this? What can change? I don't know how to stop the cycle. I don't know how to get out of this. When do I jump off? How do I, how do I engage? How do I become happy like you're happy? How do I get joy like you enjoy? How do, you, how do I get your peace? How? People give you compliments all day long. Don't tell me they don't. Girl, I cannot believe you did not overreact when they said. 
That's the Holy Spirit. He changed me. That was the old me, the new me. Girl, my back has been killing me. I don't even know what is, I don't know what happened to doctor after doctor. Can I pray with you real quick? Just saying, there's a little ways that God opens doors to have these conversations. Don't start none, won't be none. That's my motto in the street. You ask me a question, I'm going to let you know. And if you don't like that, it's Jesus. You asked. I take full advantage. Don't come on an outreach day. I'm praying for anybody that says yes. All right. So now we get to share all that Christ has done in our lives and how the Holy Spirit has transformed and renewed us. And Acts 1.8, I want to bring us back to Acts 1.8, says that we are to be witnesses. Oh, my gosh, we only got a couple minutes left. I'm going to blame that on the announcements, the congregational prayer, the worship. <laughs> All right. Um, so we are to be witnesses wherever we go. So the wit um, what's her name? Miriam Webster says, I don't even know if it's a woman, but her name is Miriam Webster. <laughs> says witness, a person, a person who sees an event. So here's a little bit of my... A little bit of my testimony. I'm just going to give you little snippets here and there. And if you would really like to hear a lot more of it, um, I would say take me to lunch, but you got to wait for summer because I'm working. All right. When I graduated from high school, I wanted to go to college and still work, right? So this is when I'm like, I graduated from high school at 17. I'm an overachiever. Um, so my mother and I prayed for a job that would allow me to attend school and have time for my studies. Like, my mom was real big, like, you're going to college. You're not going to be a stay-at-home mom. You're going to do, because she, you know, she was living vicariously through me. Um, so, and this was also before online college and accelerated learning paths. Like, I would have took one of those real quick. Like, yes, I can do online college and do an accelerated learning path. But that was before that. Um, and we prayed very specifically about what I wanted and what I needed. I needed certain hours. I needed certain days of the week. Um, and one part that I snuck in, just because I wanted to be this important at 17, um, I wanted to know the code of the whatever bank or whatever. I, was, I ended up working for a bank. But whatever company I was working for, I wanted the security code to get in. I just thought that was the most impressive thing ever, you know? <laughs> but God answered that prayer for me to a T, everything. He gave me everything I asked for. And now this is not life-changing. I want to let you know this did not change anything in me, except it gave me an awareness that God heard and answered my prayers. That even the little things, like knowing that code to get in, those details matter to God. Even the little things matter. And if you think they don't, look at your fingertips. You cannot start your, finger, your phone with this one and then try with that when it doesn't work. Each one is different. He cares that much about details. Look at the back of the leaves. There's all kinds of weaving in and out of there. God cares about the little things. So these are some things that we don't even think about, that we don't even look, but God did. God thought, I mean, he could have made, he could have made leaves. He could have made us without fingertips, those fingerprint things. He could have made us without that. But he was like, no, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to intricately, one by one, make it happen. I don't know. That's what I think about my God. Witness. An evidence or proof of. Where is the proof of Christ in your life? This is a hard one for me to share. And I'm going to go ahead and share it. I, I skated over it in the last time, but I think I'm going to get a little bit more in debt this time. Okay? In my former life, I had a hot temper. Very hot. And sometimes you can see its little head poking up. But one of the very first changes I noticed with my surrender to Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit was how I was able to reduce my knee-jerk reaction to unexpected situations. 
Some days I still struggle with the knee-jerk reaction, but not the violence behind it. Now, I don't want you to stand around thinking how I was walking around punching people in the face. I wasn't walking around punching people in the face, but you could get it if you wanted it. Like, seriously, you could have. Um, and while today I may want to react um, in whatever emotion that's available to me, I really don't want to punch somebody in the face. I, I really don't, before I wanted to, before, before I wanted to. Now I'm just like, ah. Oh. Um, and this may be shocking to some, but I was very quick and it was almost reflexive, like it was a reflex how I reacted. It was just like, almost if I had no control over that initial rising. So my progression was that I wasn't physically violent anymore, like that's where it started. I wasn't walking around punching people in the face and thinking it. And I never really liked fighting, but I wasn't gonna back down either. Then it became that I no longer want to inflict verbal pain. I don't wanna hit below the belt. I don't want to cause harm with my words or my language. Then it became that I don't want to yell or scream because I, I, we go toe to toe. <laughs> right? I don't even want to do that anymore. I don't even want to do that anymore. And I pray that God will help me to articulate what I'm feeling. I felt like a lot of it was either I wasn't being heard Oh, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't verbalize what was happening in my mind, if that makes sense. So if you're not, if I can't tell you how I'm feeling, I'm gonna have to show you. And right now, your level of disrespect. And when I first, honestly, when I first started, um, I started stuttering. I started stuttering. When I first started like really trying to get a control of my anger, control of my outbursts, control of how I was reacting to different people, I and it would embarrass me something horrible because I was just like, I need, I can't, there was no connection between what was happening in my brain and what was coming out verbally and I felt like I was trying to do something better than punching you in the face um, and I couldn't get it out smoothly. So now you're waiting on that comeback. And now, now I felt the pressure. I felt the heat. I felt the embarrassment of me not being able to defend myself even verbally. So now I'm going to resort back to punching you in the face because I could show you I could defend myself. See how that worked? It was horrible. It was a horrible way to be. Um, but I prayed about it. And I prayed that God would help me articulate what I'm feeling and being able to express verbally what I want the outcome to be. I want you to respect me. No, I did not. Um, no, you're not gonna take advantage of me. No, you're not gonna put one over on me. No, you're not gonna say that to my sister. No, you're not gonna look at my man like that. No, you're not gonna, like those were the things that would provoke me, right? And I had to be okay, not only, not only with my reaction, but that you didn't care. I don't care that you don't want me to look at your man. I don't care that you don't want me to not talk to your sister to some type of way because I wasn't the toughest one out there, I could tell you that. So there was people that were really ready to go for it. I had to be okay with walking away. I don't think you understand how hard that is, how to be okay with walking away. I remember when me and Pastor Woody one time, we were sitting here talking, I'm probably gonna cry, and um, all these kids, I was living uh, behind a school on 16th Street, and all these kids, my one son, I won't mention his name, they decided to jump my son. 
And then they, after they jumped my son, I went outside. I was like, go get your mother. Go get your mother. <laughs> Somebody please go get a mother. <laughs> I was stressed. And I sat there and I was just like, in my old, in my old point of view, I will line up the kids one by one and let my son fight each of these kids one on one. You're not, it might, be, it might seem unrealistic to you, but this was really how I was gonna show my son, this is how you defend yourself. You don't let nobody take advantage of you. And I would, I would normally, my, my mom did it to me. Girls jumped me, they lined them up, I fought them one by one. This was something that we did. So when the time came for me and I was like, I told the kid, go get your mother. And then I just looked at her and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be changing, Lord. So by the time she comes out and I'm here, all the kids are already scattered. Only one kid went and got, got their mother and his mother must have been bowed about it because she came out. So I was just like, okay, we're going to do this. And I was just like, why are our kids even fighting? Why are our kids even fighting? What, what can we do to make this playground situation right? I need to be able to send my kids out here to play without the fear of him getting hurt. What can we do to make it right? And the mom was like, I thought you called me out here to fight. And I was like, I did, but now I'm starting to think we shouldn't go that route. <laughs> and actually, me and that mom, so I lived, so it was like this, the street, this is the school, and then this is my side, and that's her side. And it ended up being that me and the mom ended up being pretty cool. She's sitting on the porch, and she's like, I got them. I run inside, I cook, I come outside, I got them. She runs inside, does she, what she want to do. We're keeping eyes on the playground. Maybe all they needed was a little bit of those supervision. But if I would have banged her head into the cement, <laughs> what would I have done? What would I have really, that was really my, I was already, I already won the fight. By the time she came out, by the time, by the time the lady came out, I had already fought, prayed against the fight, prayed that God would give me the words. Like all this is happening in real time like this. This is not no 10, 15 minute situation. This is the chick was coming out ready to fight. Her sneakers are coming on as she's running down the stairs. Like I'm wrapping up my hair. It's hard out there. Anyway. All right, so I prayed about it. But when I was talking to Pastor Woody, and Pastor Woody was like, what was so hard for you? And I looked at Pastor Woody, I said, Pastor Woody, you know what was so hard for me? That she didn't even know that I could make her swallow her teeth. <laughs> that was the hardest part for me, that she didn't know how bad I was. All she saw was this chick come outside and be like, can our kids be friends? When really, that's not really how it went down. But in her mind, maybe that's how it went down. In my mind, that's how it went down, that I, that I backed down and was like, can our kids be friends? And while overall it made a, a better environment for the kids, in my mind, I let her win. That was the hard part for me. Today, I'm okay with that. You got it, sis. No beef. Um, so every once in a while, I feel this emotion rising, and it's really the tantrum. If you want to know what's happening, it's a, it's a, it's a two-year-old tantrum that's happening, because I didn't get what I expected. And if I sense that I'm in a mental place that I cannot speak without crying, I will remove myself from the situation. I think that in the heat of the moment, I cannot be that vulnerable. I try my best not to be that vulnerable and I remove myself from that situation. Um, when I was younger, I'm sure my mom has stories. My sisters will have stories. My dad might have a thing or two to say. And maybe my husband might be like, I need to see some bigger changes in this area. But I feel I came a long way. And that's where I see the most growth and the evidence of Christ in my life. The next witness, to have the knowledge of 
from a personal observation or experience. So there's two. There's two that I have, and I'm going to let you decide. One or two? Really? That's the one that I was not sure of, but you got it. So one of my sons was born with an upper respiratory, I don't even know what, one lung. It did get filled, but it was like, it was at half capacity almost. It wasn't, it wasn't doing what it needed to do. And the other one was working normally. And um, the doctors told me, they had warned me after many, many weeks of going in and tests and x-rays and all kinds of things, the doctor said, listen, He's going to be on rescue medications for the rest of, your, of his life. He will probably walk around. If he grows out of it, he will still walk around with an inhaler. Because of the inactivity, because of how hard he's going to be breathing, he's probably going to be overweight. And I was like, I was like, nah, I was like, no, not my kid. And he was just like, and so me and the doctor talking, that's when I used to go to Tan and Garcia. I said, stop going to them. No, I'm playing. <laughs> I moved out of the area. That's the only reason why I stopped going to them. <laughs> anyway. Um, and he, he told me the truth. This, this, is what, this is the worst that can happen with the capacity where he's at with his lungs. And I prayed, I prayed at least, I mean, we were going for checkups. Um, the first three or four months of his life, we were, we were in the hospital a lot. We were in the doctors a lot. I mean, um, Tristan Associates knew me. I was going there for sonograms for my stomach, and next thing you know, I'm going in there for my baby. Like, they just knew me. Um, and I prayed to God to intervene, and I asked God to show me how to support him. If this, if this, is, how he's, if this is how it's going to be, then I need to know how to support my son. And this son, I have to say, is completely healed. And he is an athlete. And glory to God. And I share this to say that we can ask the big asks. We can ask the big asks. And I know that sometimes, and we've had hiccups. It did not go smoothly after that. It wasn't on probably until year four, maybe, that they were like, we'll see you at the next check visit. Before it was, we'll see you in three months. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. We'll see, oh, this is not looking good, Carmen. We need you to go tomorrow. Um, but by the time, I want to say, right before kindergarten, um, they were just like, well, we'll see you next year for his well checkup. And I was like, wait, what? What you mean? I'm supposed to be back here in six months. Like, this is, this is what we do. She was like, no, it's looking really good. And I was just like, <laughs> and I was like, I need evidence of that. I need proof. I want to see. So they, they did. They let me go back for another uh, x-ray. And then they showed me where he was in the beginning with his little baby lungs and where he was now. And there wasn't even scar tissue. Like, I was like, well, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't once and done. It took a long time. And I'm not sure how it all fits in, but the Bible says that they are overcome, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus, and we have, and the word of their testimony, and I want you to overcome. I want you to ask God for what you need so that you can have enough to overflow to your neighbors, to your workplace, to your families, in your friendships, in your relationships. This power that has empowered us is not for our selfish gain, but instead for the uplifting of our community. Oh, good. I'm up to the part where it says, um, just so people who know that are in the inn, my DQ was shorter than this. <laughs> the DQ is the doctrinaire, whatever, doctrinal questionnaire that they ask you before you get licensure. And it's like 50,000 questions, and it was still shorter than today's message. <laughs> I believe in Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. That was my answer for a lot of it. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't look at me like that. 
<laughs> All right, the worship team can come on up. If anybody would like to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we are here to pray for you. Pastors, you can come on up. If anyone feels the need to help receiving, and it's not really receiving the Holy Spirit, you got it. If you need the Holy Spirit to rise up within you, um, to help you recognize the Holy Spirit has empowered you, come up. We're here to pray. If you have any other prayer need, any other prayer need, please come up. We're here to share the burden. You do not have to go through it alone.
serve a big God that can handle big requests. Ask God for that peace that passes understanding. Ask God for the conversations and healings in those relationships. Ask God for the salvation for those family members and friends. Ask God for that job or opening of a business. Ask God for the love of that person, love for that person that grates your nerves. Ask God for healing in your body. Ask God for wisdom in the relationships or situations that you're in. Ephesians 3 14 to 21 and it says for this reason I kneel before the father from every family in heaven on earth derives its name I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is for us and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Father, fill us to overflowing, God. To overflowing, God. We want to share your love with others. And now to him, who is our Lord Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.